0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 51, and today we're going to be covering WWE stomping grounds, the pay-per-view from Sunday night. And, uh, yeah, it was, on the whole, a very good show, but I'm going to be getting into that in more detail very soon. Uh, before, like we always do, let's start with some plugs. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do. Our Twitter handle is withjonas_pod. underscore pod. We're on Instagram as well, so uh, reach out to us on Instagram and check out what we do there, uh, www.instagram.com com forward slash wrestling with genres. And of course you've got our Facebook group, just go on to Facebook and search wrestling with Jono's. Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, then of course, don't forget to leave us a uh, five star rating and some comments. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. And uh, of course, if you do uh, enjoy listening to the Wrestling Jonas podcast, don't forget to hit like, subscribe, share, tell your friends and tell your family and uh, do what you can uh, to help me grow this podcast uh, to all of you lovely listeners out there. We are your kind of only choice, really, for your weekly NXT, NXT UK. WWE and all-round pro wrestling updates so uh, yeah uh, I would say search for us on social media and don't forget to subscribe or whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on but today we do have a special guest host now it's uh, very late in the evening where he is but I've got uh, uh, Tommy from uh, Watch Along Wrestling the YouTube channel and uh, Tommy welcome to the Wrestling with jona's podcast it's great to have you on board today.
1: Oh it's great to be here Jonas. thanks so much for having me on and uh, I know we've been trying to put this together for a little while I've been listen to your show and you've been doing some really great stuff so uh it's an honor to be here and i'm excited about it
0: ah thank you very much thank you very much. so tell us a little bit about your products because you've, you've got a lot going on if anybody checks out your youtube page You've got the, uh, the, the, the kind of the uh, uh, re- watch along wrestling channel where you do your live watch alongs. Uh, you've got your uh, video diaries where you go out on your wrestling drives uh, and your WrestleMania vlogs and all the big shows that you go to. So there's lots of content on your YouTube channel, but tell us a little bit about uh, how long you've been doing it for and uh, what got you interested in doing your own YouTube channel uh, based around wrestling.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's funny, uh, you know, a few years ago, I have a really long commute to work. Uh, so I started the YouTube channel a few years back, uh, kind of just doing some uh, something just to keep me, I guess, motivated to continue the drive to work and kind of entertain myself. So just put on the camera, started talking about wrestling, um, and I do it from time to time. Well, I didn't really take it too serious, uh, and then actually, a uh, funny story, I was on my honeymoon Uh, last year, and I was trying, and we were in Africa, and I was trying to find um, some sort of stream or something, some way to watch CM Punk's fight uh, on the UFC, uh, his second fight where he got destroyed by Mickey Gall. And uh, I I went in with, like, hopes that he was going to do well. It didn't work out for him. But I was trying to find some way to listen and try to find something I could do because I couldn't order the show from where I was uh, when we had fallen asleep. And this is, like, real, like, middle-of-the-night stuff. So I ended up uh, like searching up like live stream of UFC and I found somebody who was watching UFC and commenting on it. And when I saw them doing this, everybody was just like in the chat room. Everyone was going along with what he was doing while watching. And I was like, I should really do this. Like I constantly watch wrestling all the time. I'm always watching like older shows. Simply because my wife at the time was uh, working overnights as a nurse. So I had a lot of free time and. All throughout the night, I'd watch these shows and I'd call my friends and say, hey, remember this uh, SummerSlam 98 or something like that? We'd go back and forth. And what ended up happening was I was like, you know, let me try this out. Let me see how it goes. And so I started it out with just uh, one full-length classic wrestling show to watch along with. um, And hopefully people would tune in, kind of do that. But I realized it was a major commitment. I was asking people to basically give up three hours of their night. Uh, to watch an old show with me. And that's a hard thing to do. So I started doing that, and then basically what happened was um, Wrestle Kingdom 7, I guess, or Wrestle Kingdom, I guess or actually, I think it's 13, whatever the last Wrestle Kingdom was. Yeah. Um, And I uh, wanted to watch it, and it was like middle of the night here because the show started at 3 a.m. And I was like, you know what, let me turn on uh, my YouTube and just watch the show and do some commentary on it and talk, and hopefully somebody will be there to watch with. And suddenly that's when it started to gain traction. I think like that night, it was like all of a sudden there was people watching with me. We were chatting about the show together and I was just having a great time. Uh, and I realized quickly there that like people want to see the live shows and they want someone to talk to with the shows. And I want to talk with people about the yeah. shows. So that's kind of how it started from there. And then, and then the blogs just, I, I've been lucky this year. a bit. WrestleMania was in town. Uh, we have friends out in Arizona. So I got to go to the Royal Rumble and um, started my, my Twitter, which is that watch Russell pod. And, Really just kind of picked up talking with people on there. And people would say, hey, are you going to vlog from your trip? And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's try it. And so sometimes it's just kind of throwing all things together at the wall. And, uh, and that's kind of what Watch Along Wrestling is. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun, though. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it about a year. And uh, it's been a good time.
0: Yeah, I definitely recommend it. I've seen uh, the majority of your videos on YouTube and they are very good. So, well, yeah, keep up the good work with that. But uh, I want to ask you a little bit about your your wrestling fandom. When when did it all start for you? When did you first come across WWE or WCW kind of who the who the big stars, the big players that were knocking around when you first got into it and what kind of really pulled you in? What attracted you to become a wrestling fan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always been a WWE kid for my entire life. Um, You know, I grew up, it was a situation where, like, my mom was at work, like, all weekend long, so from the littlest stages of when I was, like, an infant in a little carriage, my dad would watch wrestling all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and uh, I never really turned back from there. Um, It was like, WWE was where it was at. I was a little Hulkamaniac growing up, loved the (sighs) Ultimate Warrior. Uh, That was when I was really, really little. Uh, but then actually, believe it or not, like, my era, and I heard on your on your 50th episode, you kind of mentioning it a bit, too, that kind of that new generation, uh, yeah. you know, that, that era with Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, some of the zanier characters. Could you give Man Mountain Rock a little shout out during your your last episode? And, um, oh, yeah. That was where it was for me. Like, I love that stuff. And that stuff, uh, I thought, was just, like, the greatest thing. And, um, you know, WCW, not as much, because once WWE started doing all the monthly pay-per-views, we could only afford, like all I, my dad was like hey you have a choice it's either wwe wcw i'll get you all the pay-per-views but only in one you know week so one company so it was wwe all the way
0: superb well um i'm looking forward to talking to you about stomping grounds tonight so uh, uh we both spoke off air and we both watched the uh, the, the pre-show now um before we get into the match that was featured on the pre-show, there was a couple of good interviews. Uh, so, so Ricochet, first of all, joined the, the pre-show panel and called Samoa Joe a bully and relentless. Uh, and then Joe um, the, the Joe would do anything to keep his championship. Then we got a split screen with the camera on Samoa Joe backstage who tells Ricochet that uh, he's been here for a cup of coffee, referring to Ricochet, and that Ricochet knows, that, uh, no, knows nothing about surviving in the WWE and that he is not on Joe's level. Joe says that uh, there is no doubt that Ricochet is an amazing athlete, uh, an amazing athlete, but uh, that's not going to save him um, from the beating that Joe is going to give him. Joe finishes by saying that tonight Ricochet will sleep. But uh, tonight will not be his night. So a really strong promo there from uh, from Joe. Then we go into an interview with uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan backstage. Now, first of all, we see Daniel Bryan going off on referee Charles Robinson, who accidentally walked into the, the shop before they were about to do the interview. So that was a little bit different and uh, unplanned, I'm sure. Uh, Daniel Bryan then calls this type of disrespect uh, that people have for tag team wrestling and that the New Day treat the division as a joke. Uh, Brian says that tonight himself and Rowan are uh, not just defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, but tonight they are going to save the tag team division from people like Heavy Machinery who, despite their wrestling accomplishments, uh, just thrive on uh, thrusting their hips and uh, talking about having a great time. Brian says that they are trying to save the tag team division from becoming a joke because they are the planet's champion and that the blue-collar solid is no match for the champions fighting for the greater good so i loved both these two promos um and uh, you, you know what you're going to get with daniel bryan and samoa joe two very very strong promos two of the best in the business but uh yeah i thought that these were two strong highlights from the, the pre-show what were your thoughts on on these promos from uh, daniel bryan and samoa joe
1: yeah, it's it's funny because uh, when when I saw the promo for for Joe and for Ricochet, I was excited about it because I was like, they're actually going to give these guys a little bit of a spotlight here. Uh, and I was glad about that because I feel like sometimes the secondary titles sort of get lost in the shuffle with WWE um, and Ricochet and Samoa Joe is the match I was looking most forward to. So that was really great. And uh, when I saw Joe's promo, I was like, man, you know, I really hope they don't just kill Ricochet here because I was pretty sure Joe was going to retain. <laughs> uh, but I, did, I was just hoping, I was like, I hope that Ricochet just doesn't get squashed and, and can at least have a good showing for himself. Uh, but Joe's great. I mean, I hope Joe gets uh, a chance uh, to have a world title feud, and um, he's, uh, he's awesome. So I, I thought that was great. Uh, in regards to Daniel Bryan, I mean, I, I was just excited because I knew they were in Washington. I knew the crowd was going to be for Bryan. I'm always thinking back to uh, that night at the Slammies in 2013 when they did yep. the Cena and Randy Orton kind of uh, deal, and Daniel Bryan just the crowd went nuts for him the <laughs> whole night. Um, and, and, you know, kind of the stuff he's doing with Rowan, I feel like, is something similar to what he wanted to do with the Intercontinental title before he got hurt. He'd always said he wanted to uh, really kind of put more of a spotlight on the Intercontinental Championship, have that be the title that's defended every week on SmackDown and, and propel SmackDown up to that next level. So to see him be able to, it, it, you know, be vocal about wanting to restore the prestige to the tag team division, I think, I think is great
0: yeah I do too and uh, yeah, I, I don't always watch the pre-show but I, I think I will do more often especially with those two promos hopefully we'll get more of the same in the future <laughs> but hopefully we'll get more of the same of the uh, the first match of the night and it was on the pre-show and it was for the uh, WWE Cruiserweight Championship and it was Akira Tozawa Drew Gulak and the new Cruiserweight Champion Tony Nese, Well, I say new he, he won it at WrestleMania um, but uh, going into this match what were your expectations and do you watch 205 Live match?
1: Um, I try to watch 205 Live the best I can. It's tough sometimes, especially, you know, I think one of the really the the pieces that is tough for me about 205 Live is that it's always on after SmackDown. Uh, It's hard to, once SmackDown ends, turn on 205 Live and watch it live. But every time I've watched it, it's been great. Um, I like a lot of the guys that are on 205 Live. I was telling you off air, you know, I I grew up here in the Long Island area. So Tony Nese has been a favorite of mine Uh, early on. Uh, during his days, uh, kind of the new, with the new York Wrestling Connection, Mike Wiprek School. Um, and so I was really, uh, every time I see them have matches, I feel like they kill it. They do a great job, uh, especially when they're on the pre-show. When they get that chance to shine, I think back to the Fatal 4-Way at the Royal Rumble. And those guys came out and everyone was like, ah, the 205 Live guys. And by the end, they're just going nuts for him and cheering for everything they did. Actually ended up being one of, uh, obviously now Kento, but Hideo Itami's final matches um, with 205 Live. So, I, I love those guys and they, they always bring it. And whenever they're there for me, I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's strap in. They're, they're going to be great.
0: Mm. So if, if you only caught the main show, I definitely urge you to go back and, uh, and watch uh, the, the pre-show because this match was one of the highlights of the night. So I run through co- some of the key spots here. So Tony needs, uh, uh, gets a, the first two count of the match from a leg sweep and then gets another one from a bridging German suplex on Gulak, whilst almost pinning Kira Tozawa at the same time with the roll-up. So that was quite an impressive double pinning combination there. Uh, The match goes to the outside with Nice nailing a super kick to the chin of Gulak, only to be caught with a dive through the ropes from Tozawa, uh, before Tozawa crashes into Gulak with an impressive running cannonball off the ring apron. Uh, sending uh, Gulak into the barriers at ringside. Uh, this match has started with a breakneck speed, and the fans in Tacoma Washington are really into this action. Uh, Drew Gulak is having to save quite a lot of the pinfall attempts to save the match. Tazawa applies an octopus submission hold on Gulak uh, until Nice breaks it up uh, by suplexing Tozawa into Gulak. The Gulak applies to Gulak on Nice, only to have the hold broken up with a, a high back sent on from Tozawa, crashing down onto both Nice and Gulak in the centre of the ring. Gulak nails Tazawa with the superplex from the top rope. Nice misses a 450 splash, but has the presence of mind to drop Gulak hard down to the canvas before Tozawa comes in with a shining wizard, getting another close near fall for his troubles. So many close near falls in this match, so much quick action between these three wrestlers. The end of the match comes when Tazawa knocks Nice um, off the side of the ring apron with a running knee, allowing Drew Gulak to pick up Tozawa for a torture rack. Uh, neck breaker, a rack neck neckbreaker to become the new WWE Cruiserweight champion and that was a hell of a match, like I said it was at breakneck speed um, went 11 minutes 20 seconds so uh, and it, 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 you know maybe they could have given him another 5 minutes but so they didn't waste a certain second in this match at all, um, I'd love to know your thoughts on this pre-show match because I thoroughly enjoyed it
1: yeah, no, it was great. And I think that one of the things that, you know, I almost forget is you, when you think of Akira Tozawa, he shows up, he wins Cruiserweight Championship, ends up losing it within, like, a week back to Neville, and then kind of drifts into this comedy-type role with Titus Worldwide. And you almost forget that, like, he is awesome in the ring. Like, he can just straight go. Um, so I thought, you know, he, he's great. And I love the finish here because Gulak defeats Akira Tozawa. So now Tony Nese loses this belt that he's been going after for so long – and he's not even involved in the pitting combination. So it just sets up now, moving forward on two oh five five, there's reason to watch and kind of see how Tony Nese can try to get back at Drew Gulak and maybe set up a one-on-one at Extreme Rules or down the road or maybe towards SummerSlam.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think a lot of people have been uh, hoping for a Drew Gulak uh, title reign for quite a while. He's not your typical cruiserweight. He doesn't fly. Um, he's renowned for kind of keeping things grounded, being more of a map-based wrestler. Um, but I think he's going to add a, a different element to uh, to the game, different element to holding the belt. And we've seen quite a lot of him on NXT over recent months. And uh, I think he's taken a bit more of a, back to, back to his kind of original gimmick, a bit more of a serious wrestler, Instead of the uh, kind of PowerPoint presentations, he's uh, definitely showing us what he can do in the ring. Um, We know that he can kind of do it on the mic, uh, but now he's showing us what a great wrestler he is, and I'm really pleased that he's the new Cruiserweight Champion. So we go into the the main card now, and uh, the first match of the night is uh, the man, Becky Lynch, versus the lady. Lacey Evans. Uh, So we saw their first match uh, back at Money in the Bank where um, Becky had to defend her Raw and SmackDown championships back-to-back, first against Lacey and then the SmackDown championships against uh, Charlotte, who Charlotte promptly lost the championship to Bayley that same night when Bayley cashed in. Um, But... uh, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of support, as you would expect, for Becky Lynch as she made her entrance. Uh, I think she's still massively over, uh, but there's, there's there's quite a lot of chatter online, Tommy, that uh, Becky Lynch has kind of lost her shine slightly, uh, that she's not um, uh, kind of getting the reaction that she was before WrestleMania. Of course, she's not got Ronda Rousey to kind of spar with on Twitter at the moment. Um, but uh, what's your kind of thoughts on Becky Lynch's championship reign before this match with Lacey Evans?
1: I think, I think the, big, the big issue with Becky's reign um, really has been that there hasn't really been that challenger to go after Becky, uh, somebody that was built up to be a credible challenger to go after Becky when she first won the title. Uh, you mentioned Ronda Rousey, with her being kind of out of the picture and with Charlotte just being done many, many times, there really wasn't anybody, I feel like, who was ready to kind of step into that role. And so... They tried with Lacey, but the problem with Lacey was she hadn't really been built up. She hadn't established that credibility. Um, it, it's not entirely all their fault. I mean, Ruby Riot ended up getting hurt. There's a couple other injuries here and there. Nia Jax is injured. But at the end of the day, I feel like having that lack of challenger to go against Becky and having somebody that the crowd could really get into in a match people can really kind of eat up, I think, has, has hurt Becky a little bit. Not so much that it's not... I think people are just like, oh, it's the men! You know, people are excited... But I think people are a little like, ah, but she's, you know, fighting again with Lacey, who she's, you know, just beat at Money in the Bank and pretty decisively beat at Money in the Bank. So I think that they've kind of struggled with uh, finding the right challenger uh, for Becky coming out of her big win.
0: Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I like Lacey Evans, I like her character, I liked her in NXT, and I think that they've, they've done a fairly good job of building her character uh, since she's been up to the main roster, but I think she's still a bit green in the ring, and, and fans um, notice it from a mile off, so I think that's one thing she needs to brush up on, um, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll crack on with the match anyway, so there's, as I said, there's, there's plenty of support for Becky as she uh, gets this match underway. Uh, Becky drops Lacey with a wrecking ball drop kick uh, to start the match, sending Lacey to the outside. Uh, Lacey then gator rolls Becky over to the ring post where she pulls Becky across the the ring post uh, before getting a two count in the middle of the ring. So going to work on a kind of midsection and, and Becky's ribs early on here. Uh, Lacey then goes after um, Becky's injured ribs uh, and there's loud you can't wrestle chance from the fans. And as we alluded to earlier, uh, some of the fans are kind of picking up that she's a little bit green in the ring. Uh, Lacey powers her way out of a disarm just managing to reach the bottom rope with her left foot. Becky gives Lacey a taste of her own medicine by stuffing the Southern Bell's handkerchief down her throat uh, before dropping Evans with a series of clotheslines and a running forearm smash. Becky gets a two count from a Bexploder, but uh, misses an attempted leg drop from the second rope. Lacey connects with a second rope cutter for a two count, which I thought was quite an impressive move there. However, Becky is quick to react and pulls Lacey down hard from the top rope uh, before quickly applying the disarmor, causing Lacey to tap, and uh, Becky Lynch retains her Raw Women's Championship Uh, just after 11 minutes. 11 minutes, 20 seconds for this one. uh, The match seemed to get better the longer it went. Um, and uh, the right person won. But it is kind of two defeats back-to-back for Lacey Evans against Becky Lynch here. So she lost, of course, at Money in the Bank, which was her official kind of main roster debut, and uh, she hasn't had many matches in between. So this is, you could say, kind of her second important match, uh, losing again. Uh, Obviously, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Lacey Evans as the show progresses uh, more towards the main event, of course. But uh, two back-to-back two back-to-back defeats to Becky Lynch here. Uh, Where do you think that leaves Lacey Evans as far as uh, a credible championship contender for the future?
1: Yeah, it's definitely tough. And I mean, it's tough for Lacey moving forward. And I think a part of that has to be, you know, yes, she is green in the ring, as you said. And I think the problem right now is that the bar for women's wrestling in WWE has just been raised and raised and raised as everybody comes up. Uh, There's great women's uh, wrestling on NXT, on NXT UK. And there's been tons of great women's wrestling all the way up and down the card on the main roster, both Raw and SmackDown, up until them being the WrestleMania main event this past year. So I feel like now Lacey's kind of being put into this role that, you know, is probably a little too big for her right now. Um, And with two back-to-back defeats, I mean, it is really tough uh, for her moving forward. Um, You know, obviously she plays a role later in the show, which we'll get to. uh, And Mm -hmm. I was really almost hoping it would be someone else, just because I'm like, how can we now take her serious when Becky's beaten her decisively uh two times but I, I did actually think this match was pretty good though I think uh I, I, li- I like her using kind of a mandible claw little uh homage to Mick Foley there and um Becky rather and uh you know it, I think again as you said the right person won but I hope this isn't the end for for Lacey Evans but it, it's going to be a, a tough road I feel like
0: mm, yeah I, I think there's uh yeah so uh, we'll, get, we'll talk more about Lacey later on of course but um yeah, it'd be interesting to see if she's used as a championship contender uh, for the next pay per view, but we shall see on that one. Then, uh, in a backstage in- interview, Paul Heyman is seen coming out of Baron Corbin's locker room, and he's asked if uh, he will be the special guest referee for tonight's main event, Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship, of course. Um, and uh, we'll be seeing Brock Lesnar tonight. Uh, Paul responds by asking if the WWE Champion Kofi Kingston and the Universal Champion Seth Rollins are both here tonight, and if they are both here then uh, that also presents an opportunity for his client, Brock Lesnar. Baron Corbin then comes out of his dressing room and is asked in a backstage interview if he has chosen his special guest referee yet. Corbyn says that he doesn't need any favours for tonight and once he has beaten Seth Rollins to become the new Universal Champion then he'll worry about Brock Lesnar um so uh yeah I'd say at this stage we don't know who the special guest referee is um on uh, Monday Night Raw I think it was this past Monday we saw Elias get beat down with a chair from Seth we saw yeah. EC3 get beat down uh, from uh Seth Rollins with a chair um but uh yeah. So okay, what did you think of this little segment with um, Paul Heyman uh, and Baron Corbin?
1: Um, well, one thing I, I actually think it's they have found a little bit of a, an interesting way to kind of keep the mystique of Brock Lesnar alive throughout the year now with him having this money in the bank briefcase. Because, yes, they've teased that he's going to cash in a lot and, and he doesn't end up cashing in, which is kind of frustrating. But at the same time, they always have the idea that you don't know when he's going to show up. And I think him coming to a show like Money in the Bank, which isn't one of the big four shows, means that maybe he will show up on uh, on a stomping grounds and maybe he could have uh, showed up. So I like this. It kept the intrigue alive and it kept uh, that idea in the back of your head that, hey, Brock is still out there with the briefcase. And now every one of those title matches that happen, whether it be Kofi's match or, or Seth's match, it's like, hey, is this going to be finally the time when Brock comes out and cashes in? So I thought this was, uh, I thought it was cool. And I thought that uh, Paul had a chance to, to be that referee. So uh, I started getting a little excited about that too.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like I say, Kofi Kingston and Seth need to be, uh, need to have one eye on Nicole kind of constantly looking over their shoulder. You could say, because uh, Brock Lesnar um, looks, they like might appear on uh, any show going forward, but uh, yeah, fun little segment there. Moving on to the next match. Um, Sami Zayn versus, oh, sorry, Sammy Zayn teaming up with his longtime friend and uh, former rival, Kevin Owens against the new day, Big E and Xavier Woods, of course. So, this match um yeah I, I didn't really have any high expectations on this match going into it uh, but i was pleasantly surprised tommy to be honest with you uh just to go through some of the key spots um kevin owens promptly start, promptly starts the match with a super kick sending biggie off the ring apron and to the outside then he super kicks xavier woods owens connects with a senton from the top turnbuckle uh, and gets an early two count Sami Zayn gets tagged in and hits a blue thunder bomb and he gets a two count uh kevin owens then nails a frog splash and gets another two count uh, All of this within the first minute. So the first minute was uh, blistering pace. It really was uh, breathtaking action. Uh, This match um, started at such a fantastic pace with both Zayn and Owens, each taking turns on attacking Xavier Woods in their half of the ring. Uh, So some really good, um, clever tag team action here between those two. Woods finally tags in Biggie, who gets a close near fall on Zayn with a big splash. Uh, Sami Zayn then uh, drives Big E into the ring post before delivering a helluva kick to the face of Woods. Owens Owens connects with a pop-up powerbomb for a close near fall of his own. Big E then delivers a huge spear through the ropes, taking Sami Zayn off the ring apron and to the floor on the outside. Woods then attempts a top rope maneuver, uh, which is blocked by Kevin Owens. Um, Kevin Owens hits a stunner um, and then pins Xavier Woods, one, two, three, using his stunner. Um, so that match went just over 11 minutes. And that was another really fun match. Like I say, I love the pace of this. Uh, we've had, uh, yeah, but there's three excellent back-to-back matches so far. Um, and uh, the heel duo came out on top on this one, Tommy. And there was no shenanigans. There was no dirty play. Uh, it was just a, a straight match between a heel team and a babyface team. And, uh, yep, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens won this match. Um, yep, I, I thought this match was excellent. What did you think?
1: Yeah, it's funny, because uh, I also almost forgot it was on the show. Uh, and mm. I don't know if I just kind of lost, like, lost the idea that it was going to be on the show, but then suddenly it came out, and, you know, uh, we do, I think you're in that predictions league uh, that I'm in, so when I saw it on the card, I was like, I completely forgot that was on there, and then I was like, this should be pretty good, um, and I just, I love Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens together, they came out, they came out together, and Kevin Owens gave him the kiss on the cheek, and uh, <laughs> kissed Sammy on the cheek when they were coming down, and Together, they're just great. They're always fun to watch. Uh, every single time Big E does that spear through the rope, I can't help but cringe and just get so scared that he's not going to get up from it because it always looks so ugly. Uh, but really good stuff. I think all four of those guys are so good in the ring, and I, and I like that uh, Kevin Owens is utilizing the stunner. I think it's really cool. So, uh, and again, it was good to see they got a clean win, and uh, as you said, no shenanigans, and uh, it was good. They solidified them with the tag victory over the New Day as... If they want to, having those guys be back in the tag team division on
0: SmackDown. Definitely. And as much as I'd like to see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have singles success, uh, I'm very happy with them uh, teaming up again as a tag team. And uh, let's see where that takes them. Uh, Then we see Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss backstage as uh, Alexa prepares for her match against Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship later on in the night. Uh, Then we get uh, a match for the United States Championship, Ricochet versus current champion Samoa Joe. Uh, So this has a, a very fresh and exciting feel. Um, I don't think we've seen these two wrestle on the main roster yet and uh, Ricochet of course earned his US title shot after winning the Fatal Five-Way on uh, Monday Night Raw this past Monday uh, Toy going into this match, what were your expectations and who were you rooting for? I mean this is a match between two very credible, very experienced wrestlers um, who the fans enjoy for their wrestling uh, wrestling capabilities um, Yeah, what, what were your thoughts going into this one? Um,
1: well, I was really excited when this when this was first, when this first happened when Ricochet won that Fatal Five Way. I, I was pumped up because uh, going into that match, I think he was in there with with Braun and with Bobby Lashley and um, and, and obviously the Miz. And I just immediately thought it was going to someone else was in there too. But I really thought Braun was going to be the one to take this. I thought they were kind of building towards Braun and Samoa Joe. Um, so when Braun got eliminated, I was like, oh wow, this is going to be a great match. And so. Um, You know, when Ricochet ends up getting the win, I'm like, wow, this is a big test for Ricochet. It's great to see that he's, you know, getting a bit of a spotlight on him and he's getting a pay-per-view title match. So I was really excited about it. You know, Ricochet, to me, kind of feels like he's in that, in the mid-2000s role of someone like an Evan Bourne or a Jeff Hardy at the time, before Jeff Hardy obviously became the world champion. And I was like, he could really fit that role. A guy who goes out there, kills it, gets the crowd really excited – and now he's got a chance to go for the U.S. title against a guy like Samoa Joe. It was the match that on paper I was looking most forward to.
0: Definitely. Um, so in this match, Joe is his usual dominant self in the early going, uh, with Joe getting an early two count from an Enziguri in the corner. Uh, Joe gets another two count after yanking uh, Ricochet from the top from the ropes, transitioning into a powerbomb. So that was quite an impressive move. Normally you see that and Ricochet would land on his feet, but this time Joe caught him and uh, transitioned into a seated powerbomb. Ricochet gets a a second wind and launches himself over the top rope and onto his opponent with a Frosbury flop dive to the outside. Joe ducks a top rope attack from Ricochet to deliver another powerbomb, getting a two count. Joe then nails Ricochet with a solid German suplex, followed by a wicked clothesline turning Ricochet inside out and gets another two count from that move. Ricochet then ducks another clothesline from Joe, allowing him to connect with a knee to the face before delivering a 6.30. He hooks Joe's legs and gets the pinfall victory. And we have a new United States champion in Ricochet. So we're getting some really good action tonight, Tommy. And this was another one, another great match. Ricochet took a beating from Joe. He did did take his licks from Joe uh, throughout this match. Um, But uh, uh, Ricochet was still able to put on a show for the fans and to demonstrate what a fantastic wrestler he is, what great high-flying moves he does. Um, And I think Ricochet has kind of matured into a bit of an all-round performer, to be honest with you. I think his his character is growing. Um, He's getting a little bit more confident on the mic, but he's letting his his work do the the talking in the ring, of course. Then we see him go backstage where he's congratulated by an array of WWE superstars, including Seth Rollins, Charlotte Flair, Heavy Machinery. Um, I was really thrilled to see Ricochet win here and get his first uh, kind of main roster championship belt and of course he he won the north american belt on nxt of course he even gets congratulated by triple h which i thought was a nice touch and got a, a bit of a pop from the audience you could hear um and uh yeah a, a really fun match once again fast paced good action two fantastic wrestlers um i'd love to know your thoughts on this one
1: yeah i thought it was an absolute star making performance by for for ricochet um, you know, when he hit the 630, my fear was like, oh, my God, they're going to make Joe kick out of the 630. That's his finish. And then he got the pin. And I was just like, I couldn't believe that they gave him the title. Like, it just felt like, wow, this everything's kind of changed for this guy. He's you know, he went from like he lost to like Robert Roode a couple of weeks ago on Raw. Then he was kind of exchanging wins with Cesaro during their really underrated kind of back and forth matches on Raw. And so for him to come out and get a big win over Joe, and then they really even built it up even more by having everybody standing in the back there to congratulate him. Uh, he gets the hug from Triple H, and it's funny because you're right, Triple H gets a huge pop. I think people forget that like he's at every show, so whenever he <laughs> whenever he's shown, it's like oh crap, Triple H is here, you know. Uh, but one of the things I really loved about it was Rollins was on Twitter and he's talking about how WWE's is the best company and you know kind of riling up you know the, the the Twitter fans and all that. But it was cool to see that he was really. They're kind of leading the locker room in cheering Ricochet because it really presented him as, yeah, not only is he tweeting about these things, but he really is watching the other matches. He is there kind of as that locker room leader, and they presented that by having him be the first guy – ready to congratulate Ricochet as he came through the curtain so uh, I love that so that was really good
0: yeah and it does show uh, kind of the sense of pride that the wrestlers have and of course you know they probably hear just as much as we do the criticism that the main roster uh, wrestling and action and superstars and storylines uh, get from from the public on, on the internet and they know because they're all on Twitter they're all on Facebook and Instagram they they see firsthand the criticism that a lot of them get um, a lot of the, that a lot of the matches or shows get uh, so they take a lot of pride in what they do and I'm sure that they want to turn things around or want to turn and public opinion round, especially with uh, you know the, the new kids on the block AEW doing so well with their first pay-per-view with double or nothing of course and um They've been so much hype about All Out selling out within uh, within 15 minutes, which is fantastic for them. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, they take themselves as serious performers. Uh, they want to be taken seriously by the fans. And I think this added a bit of credibility to Ricochet's win and a bit of uh, camaraderie, uh, you know, amongst the, the wrestlers backstage. And, uh, yeah, I liked this this touch, uh, this little uh, this backstage uh, uh, congratulations for Ricochet. But, um, yeah, um, like I say, hopefully, uh, I, I, we, I think we have seen gradually over the last few weeks, the product, um, concentrate more on, on kind of the action um, instead of kind of silly shenanigans. And uh, um, hopefully that will be the start of things to come. And, um, um, you know, as I mentioned on the 50th episode of, of the podcast, with Fox coming in um, and uh, Smack going Smackdown going over to Fox in, in, in October, that's going to be a TV channel that's going to expect, um, you know, something more sports-based, something that's going to focus more on the wrestling and the action in the ring, and less about the kind of. You know, silly storylines uh, and unnecessary character development backstage. You know, we've seen some unnecessary skits involving the revival over the last uh, month or so, which has not done them any favours. Although, once again, they are the uh, Raw Tag Team Champions, not that they were anywhere to be seen on this pay-per-view. Um, but uh, hopefully, you know, there's. Uh, I, I just want the competition of AEW to maybe kickstart WWE into give, giving us fans uh, something more to look forward to each week. Um, but uh, let's move into talking of tag team uh, wrestling, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. And, of course, you've got the current champions, uh, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan versus Heavy Machinery. So Heavy Machinery, they've uh, you know been getting a bit of a push recently, of course. They're involved in this tag team title match against uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan. So uh, there, there's huge Daniel Bryan chances, as you would imagine, from uh, the, the fans in Tacoma, Washington. Um, and uh, I think Daniel Bryan... You know, kept the, the, the smirk uh, up down from his from his face, but you could tell that he was really pleased with the response that he was getting from the fans in Tacoma. He, he, was, he was managing to hide it, but uh, you could tell that he was chuffed with uh, with with the reaction that he was getting. Um, Uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, Eric Rowan take control of this match. And at one point, uh, Bryan wraps Tucker's left uh, leg around the ring post. So uh, that's always a a good spot to get a bit of heat on the heels. Um, He does that twice uh, before there's a couple of heavy elbow and uh, big splashes for a close near fall from Eric Rowan. Uh, Otis then gets tagged in where he gets drilled with a a few running knees. uh, Sorry, running drop kicks from Daniel Bryan in the corner, which is his usual spot, of course, until Otis uh, turns... uh, Brian's attack into a power bomb. Um, so that was uh, their first bit of offense there. Yeah, uh... with us. Sorry. Uh, Otis then becomes uh, imper- imperious to pain. So he kind of hulks up, uh, kind of modelling the, the, the Hulk Hogan uh, uh, Hulk up there that he used to do uh, very famously in the 80s and the 90s. And so uh, he hulked up, uh, but there was no leg drop in sight, Tommy. It was the Caterpillar and the Caterpillar uh, elbow, of course. Uh, Rowan then breaks up the pinning attempt on his tag team partner. Uh, Tucker then goes for a moonsault, only finding canvas, so we're a pretty impressive spot for such a big man there. Uh, then we go get kind of the war of the big men with uh, Otis and Eric Growing going to war in the center of the ring before heavy machinery go for their compactor. However, Daniel Bryan pulls on the top rope, sending Tucker Knight to the outside. Uh, Tucker recovers enough to uh, climb to the top turnbuckle and he nails Eric Growing with a flying crossbody. So once again, we've seen a a moonsault, now a flying crossbody from the top turnbuckle from from, uh, Tucker Knight. We, a lot of attention in this tag team normally goes to Otis, but uh, I think uh, this match certainly demonstrated what a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, wrestler uh, Tucker is. Um, so a lot of um, a lot of props to him. And now um, let's see. Tucker then goes back into the ring after hitting the flying crossbody Um, but he's quickly rolled up by Daniel Bryan for the pinfall um, and retains the tag team championship the Smackdown Smackdown tag team championship for his team on 14 minutes Uh, so this was an entertaining match and uh, for those that haven't had a lot of exposure to heavy machinery I think they would have been really surprised at uh, the the reaction that Otis tends to get whenever he comes in the ring and uh, his kind of Caterpillar, which seems to be his most over move, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, Tucker Knight really demonstrated what he was capable of tonight, and uh, props to him. Um, but uh, the heel tag team of Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan went over in this match to retain the SmackDown tag, tag team championships. Um, but uh, this was another really fun match. Um, what were your thoughts on this one, Tommy?
1: Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, I think it was a, a kind of a, another star-making performance. This time in defeat. Uh, for Heavy Machinery, uh, you know, it's funny, they, I, I, I always gauge on how, sometimes how good a match is by if my wife starts to pay attention to it. She's always kind of watching along, but she's, like, kind of doing other things. And when we saw Heavy Machinery, we met them at Access just because they were at the table with Sami Zayn. And they were reacting silly and goofy and whatever. Halfway through the match, she was like, these guys are really good. And I, too, like, I've seen them a bunch of times in NXT, and I don't think those guys have ever really had the opportunity to go out and just have a really good match. And, you know, what better uh, opponent to do it with than Daniel Bryan, who I feel like, you know, I could probably have a good match with. Um, you know, he's that good. But I thought that they, they looked great. I love Daniel Bryan coming out. And like you said, you know, he had kind of hit the smirk a little. Uh, but at least he wasn't coming out there and talking about running down the town and trying to turn the crowd against him because it never was going to happen. Uh, there was even a time where he gets up on the top rope when he first came in. And I was like, is he going to do the S-chat? Because I was like, that would be some crazy moment uh, if he had done it. But uh, I like that those guys retained the belts. I like that he, I, I love, I always pop whenever he pulls out the small package, uh, that he'll like, I'll pay. He'll give a shout out to it sometimes because he used to do it in Ring of Honor where he would wrap somebody in a small package and put them in that hold and they couldn't get out of the small package. Wow. So that was kind of his thing <laughs> there. Um, and he brought it up earlier this year too, uh, kind of going against AJ Styles with the Mr. Small Package stuff. So good to see Brian get the win with the Small Package, especially because it looked like he kind of weaseled his way into another victory. And then I think uh, of Machinery didn't lose anything by uh, taking the defeat here.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't mind seeing a match between these two teams again in the future. I really enjoyed uh, Heavy Machinery in this match, and uh, I've always been a bit of a fan. I've seen the wrestle a few times live, and uh, yeah, I I think um, not only are they capable of doing the comedy stuff, but as we saw in this match, they're definitely capable of doing the the wrestling in between as well. So uh, moving into our our next uh, championship match, uh, sticking with SmackDown. This one's for the SmackDown Women's Championship, and of course, you've got current champion, Bayley, going up against Alexa Bliss, and she was uh, accompanied to the ring by Nikki Cross, uh, so this match started to, to pick up really after alexa pulled bailey into the ring post on the outside um, and despite the injured arm bailey recovers enough to get a two count after a back suplex on alexa uh, bailey then connects with the sunset flip bomb into the turnbuckles uh, sending alexa to the outside so that move was pretty cool uh, the match flows to the outside then bailey follows up with a dive to the outside um, but uh, it appears that uh, alexa pulled or pushed Nikki Cross into the path of Bailey as Bailey was coming through the ropes. Um, Alexa then delivers a uh, sunset bomb of her own onto Bailey on the outside. Uh, Alexa attempts a twisted blast a, a, a twisted bliss to win the match, uh, finding only knees on her way down. Uh, Bailey executes her belly to Bailey and hooks the leg and gets a one, two, three to retain her SmackDown Championship. So, now the thing that stood out to me in this match was the relationship between Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and how the dynamic might end up between these two. Alexa definitely pushed Nikki into the path of Bailey by the looks of it, or well, certainly the, the replay uh, replays showed that. Um, and so uh, Bailey came diving through the ropes. Then um, Nikki came into the ring towards the end of the match. That appeared to cause a bit of distraction for um alexa causing a baby to hit her belly to baby for the win um so uh, you know a, a bit of um a kind of a, a storyline uh, dynamic going on between nikki cross and alexa here but i thought that alexa and bailey put on a good match and uh, yeah bailey retains so uh, what were your thoughts on this uh this smackdown women's championship match
1: yeah i thought it was i thought it was pretty good um you know the the kind of the dynamic between Nikki cross and Alexa bliss is actually something I I think is pretty cool. It's almost like a kind of weird, like new age rock and sock connection in a way Um, with these two with, you know, Nikki cross a little bit zany and Alexa bliss, you know, prim and proper, you know, at some point Alexa is going to turn on Nikki cross. So I wonder if they'll eventually set up a three way between them. Maybe Nikki gets the belt and then that's what makes Alexa kind of go off on that. But thought so the match was good. Uh, I Really good to see Alexa back in the ring because, I mean, uh, they had the 365 special after that and showed how Alexa really was, uh, you know, really banged up. And I don't think that we, we knew kind of all the injuries that she was dealing with, with the concussions and everything. So good to see her back in there and good to see Bailey getting that, uh, that that focus again because I think that they really got away from that. So it's good to see the kind of rehabbing the Bailey character uh, with the Women's Championship.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's lovely to see Nikki Cross getting a little bit more TV time, getting a bit more exposure in a fairly high-profile storyline. And uh, yeah, no doubt we'll see kind of One of the either Nikki turn on uh, Alexa or Alexa turn on Nikki fairly soon, but so that could be a very interesting program when that happens. Uh, Then we get a recap from the latest happenings between R Truth and Drake Maverick and the uh, ongoing shenanigans with the 24 7 Championship. Um, And this has to be one of the most entertaining parts of WWE programming each week, Tommy. Um, Have you been as entertained by the kind of ongoing 24 7 shenanigans as I have? Um, I mean, if you've been keeping tabs on on Drake Maverick's uh, uh, Instagram and, and uh, Twitter pages recently you'll be seeing uh, kind of everything that happened around his wedding and the aftermath and uh, uh, Drake feeling pretty down on himself uh, possibly it looks like he's, he's, his marriage, he's, his new marriage is in the bin um, and he's uh, no longer 24 hour champion so uh, it looks like this, this along with the Firefly Funhouse has been two things definitely to keep us hooked on a Monday uh, but what are your thoughts on this 24-7 championship? Yeah
1: I, I love it, I love uh, the stuff they've done with it and uh, I Anytime you feel like you need to pay attention to stuff that's outside of the regular shows because you never know when it's going to happen, I think is really great. Um, And and Drake Maverick, I mean, give it up for this guy. This guy comes in. Clearly, they probably didn't see much in him as a performer in that they made him a general manager and they made him a manager. And he's gone out of his way to really get himself over here and really get himself over in a big way. And it was funny because, like, he kept posting things and there kept being pictures leaked of, like, him at his bachelor party, him... Uh, with the bridal party posing for photos, it was almost like, are they going to do something? <laughs> they even showed him with uh, King Maxwell, uh, Matt Hardy's son, who was there. And so then people were wondering if maybe that was going to happen. Uh, and then when it, when eventually our truth does come and uh, his wife, the lady he married, was in the Mae Young Classic, which I was not aware of. Uh, so she's she's a performer as well. So the idea that like these guys legitimately got married and allowed WWE to take a couple minutes away from their wedding day... To film this is uh it's pretty great especially with the added wrinkle that like ron strowman was a groomsman but then when wb filmed the little piece they had strowman nowhere to be found because it would have <laughs> made no sense to have strowman standing next to ec3 so and then ec3 with the cup too as the extra little added thing i thought was uh was great. Twenty 7 stuff is,
0: is, is great. I always get a kick out of it though. Yeah, well I do and I'll say uh, some of the uh, the numbers of, of views that it's getting on YouTube I are mean, you talking two, three, four million views some of these clips with uh, R-Truth and Drake Maverick and uh, yeah it's, it's entertaining stuff. I don't think that um, anybody thought that it would be as entertaining as it was. Um, I'm guessing that Vince McMahon is getting a kick out of it because he loves the comedy um, but uh, like you say it's down to the individuals the individuals Drake Maverick and uh, Jinder Mahal and EC3 and uh, R-Truth they're all making it work and obviously they're putting a lot of thought into kind of the various skits and shenanigans that they're going to do on a week-to-week basis it kind of looks like you know it, it's got a lot of it is, is possibly their ideas obviously Drake had to be in on the on the on kind of the, the wedding uh, 24-7 cash in uh, but uh, yeah and I think you know for so long we, we've said that the WWE need to make new stars and uh, this kind of scenario with 24-7 championship belt appears to be doing that um, although it wasn't part of the original plan I'm sure um, but uh, it seems to be doing very well certainly for certain individuals and uh, like you said Tommy I'm really really happy that uh, uh, that Drake is getting a bit of a spotlight and getting a bit of attention because he's such a talented guy I don't think he'll ever be taken seriously as a world title contender but for things like this I think it's uh, Made for a character like Drake Maverick, Maverick and uh, yeah, to have a uh, um, you know, a, a foe like uh, Ron Killings, R Truth, I think the two play off of one another very, very well. So, I can't wait to see what's up, uh, what's in store this week on Monday or Tuesday. I'm sure we'll see uh, many more, much more from these two. So, I'm thoroughly entertained at the moment, but uh, keeping with the rest in action. Um, our uh, uh, next match is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. So we've seen these two wrestle before, and of course they had a match you witnessed it in person at the MetLife Stadium in April, WrestleMania 35. Um, but uh, since then, Shane McMahon has kind of uh, come into the fold and uh, come into the feud, and um, we get a, a full recap of the build-up to this match, um, and it's essentially been kind of a story of the ongoing feud between Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon more than it has Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre certainly over recent months anyway and there's no doubt about it whether you like him or whether you hate him roman reigns he got one hell of a reception as he came out for this match um where do you where do you stand on kind of roman reigns are you uh are you one that would, would boo him or are you one that would cheer him where do you stand on roman reigns
1: um i you know for a while I was you know him being in all the wrestlemania main events was getting to a point where it was like enough you know but I, I don't know. I, I don't mind Roman so much, especially like, I, I almost feel like the hate towards him sometimes is a little over the top. I'll never forget him at a VIP access signing and a whole bunch of guys screaming, you know, Roman sucks at the guy at his own access VIP signing. And I'm like, that kind of stuff is like, it's, sometimes the hate is just so extreme um, that it, that it's so over the top. Um, you know, I, I think that certainly ever since he he's returned, I think the booking of him has actually been pretty good. They've kind of kept him out of the world title picture they've they've seen that like he's allowing Rollins to have the spotlight because that's his boy and that's his friend and he's kind of taking a little bit of a back seat and it's been kind of cool to see him doing that going over to Smackdown he'll be kind of uh, I'm sure one of the big focal points of that show as it comes to Fox um, so I feel like right now especially after everything that he's gone through and you know now being very vocal about wanting to use his own uh, personal uh, experiences to motivate others and to be a good um a good i guess uh kind of an idol to these folks who might be going through something similar it's tough to think about folks booing him that said i'm pretty sure philly uh for extreme rules it it could could get ugly because philly historically has not been kind to roman at all
0: very true very true uh so um St- well, before the match even started, Drew exits the ring and meets Roman Reigns on the rampway where they start fighting. Uh, the, the match does officially start and uh, Reigns clotheslines uh, McIntyre over the top rope before launching himself over the rope with a huge dive. Now, it's very reminiscent of WrestleMania 25, if you remember when The Undertaker took that uh, massive dive to the outside uh, against Shawn Michaels and uh, Michaels' the cameraman in the way. But the cameraman did a dreadful job of trying to catch Undertaker uh, but the, 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 the dive from Roman Reigns was very reminiscent and uh, a, bit, a bit of a hard landing for Reigns but um, uh, then there's uh, so that was very impressive this match should have been billed as a handicap match in my opinion because Shane McMahon was involved all the way through this getting involved behind the referee's back at every opportunity. Uh, Drew gets a two count from the spine buster, then gets a second two count from a very impressive snap suplex. So uh, that that was raw power because I think that Reigns was virtually on his knees when uh, Drew powered him up for the suplex. Uh, Reigns then gets... uh, Uh, gets ready to deliver a Superman punch to McIntyre when Shane jumps up onto the ring apron, causing Shane to be on the end of uh, Roman's Superman punch instead. Uh, Reigns then exits the ring, runs around, and connects with a second Superman punch to Shane on the outside. McIntyre then uh, catches Reigns with an impressive, kind of like a reverse Alabama slam um, onto the ring announcer's table, which crashes the ring announcer's table, um, and then uh, before getting a two two-camp back on the inside of the ring with a sidewalk slam, McIntyre gets another close near fall from an awesome superplex from the top turnbuckle. That was pretty special. Shane then prevents a three count after a spear from Reigns by dragging the referee to the outside. Shane then connects with a coast to coast with the referee kind of out of the action and nailing Roman Reigns in the corner before shoving the referee back into the ring uh, with Reigns just kicking out before the three count. Uh, Reigns ends the match by throwing Shane over the top rope before spearing McIntyre in the centre of the ring, hooking the leg and getting the one, two, three. So this was was a well-booked match, a well-produced match, uh, I really enjoyed it uh, I thought that, as I said, it was very well-booked, I thought McIntyre looked very strong, um, I think he had his moments throughout the match uh, Shane played his role uh, very well also but the big dog came out on top and although, uh, you know, Roman Reigns winning might not be popular with everybody, I think he deserved it, uh, certainly in this match. And, uh, yeah, I think all three individuals uh, played their part very well, and it was a very entertaining match. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Tommy?
1: Yeah, so I'm probably in the real minority of uh, folks, but I'm I'm actually a huge Shane McMahon fan. Uh, so I think that everything he does, I think he does everything really well. Um, and yeah. uh, I think that, you know, I've kind of enjoyed this push, of him uh, becoming, like, a major focal point of the show, uh, even though I know a lot of people hate it. But, um, you know, the the only thing I'd say is Drew, I feel like, I feel like he, this kind of became his role. I feel like this was going to probably be Elias's role, and it feels like somewhere along the way they shifted it, and it went from Elias to Drew. Um, and I almost feel like Drew, I, I, I feel like he's so good. Like, I feel like this guy has everything. And it would have been nice to see him get the win here, but that's not the role that he's playing here. Like, he's kind of the second fiddle in a way to Shane, so it doesn't really make sense for him to also get the win over Roman. So it makes sense for Roman to get the win, and now uh, he can focus on on Shane uh, thereafter.
0: Mm. So I think it's announced later on in uh, in this pay per view that uh, there's going to be a, a handicap match on Monday Night Raw. Now I don't know if you've seen Monday Night Raw yet, but there was going to be a handicap match between Shane McMahon and uh, Drew McIntyre teaming up to take on Roman Reigns. Uh, so that's certainly a match to, to keep the feud going. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks like you know the, the feud between these through between these three uh, three are going to continue, and uh, there's going to be more twists and turns in store. I'm sure. But uh, moving into our kind of semi-final match of the evening, it's for the WWE Championship, Tommy. Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. So... I want to know kind of your, your, your opinion on Kofi as a champion. I mean, of course, you saw that amazing match that he had with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 35. And that was possibly, you know, one of, if not the highlights of the whole show, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, give us your thoughts on Kofi Kingston as a WWE champion. I think he's kind of been quite strong as a champion. But uh, more importantly, I also want your thoughts on Dolph Ziggler as well. Now, he's recently come back into the fray. Um, but... Um, I've never been a, a massive Dolph Ziggler fan. He's, he's never quite clicked for me. Uh, but he seems to be doing quite well in his in his rivalry with Kofi Kingston. Um, but uh, yeah, give us your thoughts on these two going into this match for the uh, championship.
1: Yeah, so I think I think um, one of the things with Kofi is that he's been presented as somebody who's been a tag team guy, almost like on that B-level type of uh, kind of the mid-card, I guess, uh, before come becoming a huge, you know, getting the huge win at WrestleMania which I think was the highlight of all of WrestleMania this mm. year, uh, and getting, getting the title. And I feel like he needed, at that point, to get into feuds with a Randy Orton, with uh, AJ Styles, with guys that were already established and beat all of those guys, have decisive victories over those guys, to really propel that, hey, now this guy is a main event type guy. He's done that. He's had a couple of good matches with uh, Kevin Owens, and, and Owens, obviously, is a former champ. Uh, But the problem with Dolph is that Dolph, I don't think, is on that level. I don't think Dolph's been presented as on that level for so long. It's almost reminiscent of when Dean Ambrose won the title. And Ambrose was the champ in the face of SmackDown. And then going into SummerSlam, out of nowhere, Dolph Ziggler returned and won the number one contender. And it was Dolph Ziggler against Dean Ambrose. And I feel like it just kind of brought Dean down to Dolph's level as opposed to now Dean established as this top guy and bringing someone to his level. So... I feel like Kofi needs a couple of big, uh, a couple of, um, I hope that after this match, he kind of moves on to other opponents, um, maybe like uh, aforementioned Randy Orton or maybe uh, Samoa Joe, someone like that, because I think he needs some stronger opponents to really solidify himself as, that, as a top champion uh, moved forward.
0: Yeah. And to give credit to Dolph Ziggler, I think that um, the build-up to this match and some of the, the promos on SmackDown leading up to this match have been quite intense. He has kind of added this kind of um, extra element of of, uh, of intensity in his promos. Um, but uh, yeah, um, let's get up with the match anyway. So... Um, uh, being inside a steel cage we haven't mentioned that element of this match yet so it was a championship match uh, in a steel cage it always adds an extra kind of element uh, always becomes the the third match um, the third man in the match I should say um, on the 7 minute mark however Kofi starts to climb the cage only to leap from the cage onto the top rope and then onto Dolph Ziggler down below with a flying crossbody um, the two then fight on top of the cage with Kofi using his own body weight to keep Ziggler uh, from leaving the cage Kofi connects with an SOS for a close near fall. Dolph applies a knee bar which Kofi escapes from by dragging himself literally up the cage, um, clawing his way up the cage, but Kofi falls back down towards the ring and he's hit with a superplex, uh, nearly sending Kofi, uh, sorry, a super kick, nearly sending Kofi out of the ring. Um, Dolph gets a a two-count from a zigzag. Uh, Dolph is close to make an escape through the cage door on a couple of occasions and nearly gets to exit after nailing Kofi with a super kick. Um, But uh, when Kofi notices that Dolph is close to exiting the cage door, Kofi then gets up and launches himself over the top of Dolph Ziggler through the, the top and middle rope and then lands on the outside to win the match that was uh, a fantastic spot a great way to end the match quite a a unique way to win the match I think only possibly Kofi Kingston could win a cage match in that sort of style uh, because we've seen these these, uh, kind of fantastic ways of escape and elimination at Royal Rumbles etc and this was kind of another example of of how agile um, and how super super athletic Kofi Kingston is Um, but this ended the match on the 20 minute mark Tommy Um, I thought all in all it was quite an entertaining match Um, I thought that that the cage added quite a bit of drama to it and uh, Dolph Ziggler did he get to, to exit the ring once or twice uh, to win the championship? But that um, Kofi Kingston element to win the match at the very end, uh, yes, he, he retains over Dolph Ziggler. And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? I thought both wrestlers certainly put in a great shift.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I and mean, you know, you're, you're always going to have a good match, I feel like, when those guys are in there together. I think both of them have solid matches. Um, you know, and now if they want to, now they could keep this going now with Dolph Ziggler's it-should-have-been-me thing. Uh, I thought the finish was so unique. I thought the finish was great. And uh, as you said, very few people can really pull that off. But someone like Kofi, who's had tons of great Royal Rumble uh, near-fall misses and stuff, really fits in well with his character. And uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see where it goes from here. I I, I love the finish, though. It was really unique and uh, could have absolutely gone wrong, right? If he misses up and he ends up banging into Dolph, Dolph could roll out of the ring and easily win the match there. So, but... uh, Great timing, uh, great moment, and it kind of just continues to build that frustration from the Dolph character that like all these things keep happening that he feels like should be going to him, and again, something doesn't go his way. So uh, really good storytelling and, and a good match.
0: Definitely, definitely. Then we get an advert for uh, Extreme Rules, which is the next WWE pay-per-view, and it's taking place in just three weeks' time. So between Super Showdown, uh, Stomping Grounds, and Extreme Rules, I think you're talking a space of uh, a month, uh, but, you know, a month, five weeks, between three pay-per-views. Um, but uh, that that should be, it's always a fun pay-per-view Extreme Rules with the various gimmick matches, um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, you know how that card lines up uh, in the coming Coming two weeks, three weeks before the show itself. Uh, But uh, looking into the main event now, Tommy, and uh, we've got Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin with the Universal Championship on the line. Now, in the build up to this match, we've seen Rollins take out several WWE superstars who were contenders to be the special guest referee for this main event match. Um, But, uh, uh, you know, all at the hands of uh, Seth Rollins and the steel chair last week, of course. Now, before this match, people were speculating about who the guest referee might be. Could it be Brock Lesnar? Could it be Paul Heyman? Would it be somebody else? Um, But uh, I know we spoke briefly about this earlier, Tommy. Who did you kind of think it might be? Um, Who are your thoughts on who might be the special guest referee ahead of this championship match?
1: Uh, So going in, I really thought this was going to be, that was going to be the way they'd bring back Bray Wyatt. Um, Ah. I thought Bray was going to be... I had a friend who went to Raw and bumped into Bray in the gym. He sent me a little, little video with, of him with Bray. And so I, I knew Bray was in town, uh, in and around the buildings, uh, kind of planning his return. So I thought, okay, if they didn't do it on Raw, it's going to happen at the pay-per-view. Um, but I didn't necessarily think that would really make the most sense for his character. So uh, about halfway through the show, I was thinking it was going to be Heyman, and then they'd keep teasing the Lesnar cash in, and maybe that would lead to corby even winning the belt uh but uh my, my my brother-in-law who I was watching with said you know Rollins has made it clear he's going to hit someone with a chair if they come out and interfere so it's got to be a woman here because he's not going to hit a woman with the chair so from that perspective it made a lot of sense um I was just at that point hoping for uh someone like uh Shayna Baszler or Rhea Ripley to come in and now you could establish that next challenger for Becky
0: Baron Corbin uh, announced that it would be Lacey Evans as a special guest referee. So uh, I'm sure, you know, it it got a bit of a shock reaction from everybody in the audience. Um, But, uh, you know, I consider this a bit of a smart move once again. uh, Seth Rollins come down to the ring with a steel chair, not likely to hit a woman with a steel chair, of course, like he did and went to town on various wrestlers on Monday night. Uh, But I also thought this was a genius heel move, to be honest with you, giving the fans even more of a reason to hate both Evans and Baron Corbin. During this match, so I think it gave it that extra heel heat, um, and uh, yes, like I say, not not a popular opinion with the wrestlers wrestling purists, uh, but definitely kind of a good heel tactic in my opinion. So during the match. Corbin attacks Rollins from behind. Corbin continues to punish Rollins until Rollins connects with his sling blade, a blockbuster, and a big dive through the ropes. Rollins connects with a high knee before hooking the leg of Corbin's, but Lacey Evans gives a very, very slow two count. So I think this is going to be the theme of the match. Uh, Rollins in dives... Uh, Drives Corbin through the announcers table with a powerbomb, followed by a very slow 10 count from Lacey Evans. Lacey then changes the rule of the match to have a no countout rule. Uh, Rollins then connects with a fantastic frog splash, getting some really good height there uh, before Lacey Pulling out of the, the three count by faking an arm injury. So we know that she was uh, had to submit via the disarmer from earlier on in the evening from uh, Becky Lynch, but feigning a bit of an arm injury, um, not going down on the, the three count here. Lacey then uh, changes the rules once again to include a no DQ, allowing Corbin to utilise the steel chair that was brought down to the ring by Seth Rollins, of course. However, Rollins makes a comeback, connecting with the Falcon Arrow onto the steel chair. Um, that, but there was no count at all from Lacey Evans on this. Rollins confronts Lacey, um, only for Lacey to slap Rollins twice across the face before hitting a low blow. Corbin then nails Rollins with a deep six before Lacey could make the count. However, Becky Lynch runs out, um, tackles Lacey to the outside, dropping Lacey with a Bexploder into the barriers. The crowd uh, are absolutely loving this. Um, John Cohen, um, usual uh, regular WWE referee, of course, comes out um, just as Seth Rollins hits Corbin with a curve stomp and counts the pinfall victory. One, two, three. Rollins is able to uh, defend his Universal Championship. Looking at the match, you didn't think that was actually going to happen. You thought that uh, all the odds were going to weigh against the Universal Champion. Uh, But Becky Lynch came to the match, saved the day for uh, for her boyfriend, Seth Rollins. Now, uh, many people have been critical of this match with uh, Lacey's involvement and the way the match ended, um, but uh, I thought that uh, it, was, it was a fairly well-booked match. I quite liked the inclusion of Becky Lynch coming in to save the day for Seth Rollins at the end. I... Um, As you mentioned earlier, not quite keen on kind of how the WWE appeared to be uh, presenting their relationship on screen, whether it's a little bit too much or a little bit unnecessary. Um, But, uh, yeah, uh, like I say, I thought it was a well-booked match. Some good heel heat for Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin. um, And uh, a fairly good way to end this pay-per-view. What were your kind of thoughts on this, this main event match for the Universal Championship, Tommy?
1: Well, I was actually I was really pleasantly surprised by Lacey. I thought Lacey was really good in the role of being the uh, the referee. Like she was just awesome in her, you know, first like she's doing the the regular pinfall. She's kind of trying to, you know, and then she's looking at Corbin like, hey, wait, you really can't just utilize. Oh, I should just make it a no DQ match. <laughs> and then you know, then her arms hurt, then leading to one thing after another and. It was funny because the crowd live started immediately with the uh, AEW chants, right? Like, right at the beginning, AEW. Then it was CM Punk. And then it went from that to they started chanting for Becky. And so uh, WWE backstage must have just been like, thank God. Like, they're into (laughs) that story because that was in the cards. And when Becky came out, I think the place just exploded. Um, And it's interesting that they're being so public, as you said, with that idea of Rollins and Becky being together. I don't think they need to mention it nearly as much as they do, Um, but it is interesting to kind of have them there together. It might not be necessarily uh, something that I personally love, but I think the crowd certainly is into it. I think that, uh, you know, my phone blew up with a bunch of friends who were watching and all of them were so excited when Becky came out. So it's definitely something that uh, is working for that perspective. And uh, I thought it was a clever way to get get Rollins to keep the belt and, uh, and yet continue the story going. Uh, with both now the two champs together going against uh, the other two two folks.
0: Yeah, it looks like we could be heading into a mixed match challenge uh, type scenario, heading into the next pay-per-view, possibly with yeah. uh, Becky and Seth teaming up to take on uh, Lacey and Baron Corbin. Um, so uh, yeah, that will uh, possibly be part of the, uh, the, the lineup for Extreme Rules, as we mentioned earlier on. So overall, I thought this was a, a very good pay-per-view. There was some, I'd say, I think, Certainly the first four or five matches, including the kickoff show match between uh, Tazawa, uh, Nice and Gulak, was excellent. Um, I really enjoyed the, the Sami Zayn, uh, Kevin Owens, New Day match. I thought Roman Reigns and uh, Drew McIntyre certainly delivered with the inclusion of uh, Seth, uh, Shane McMahon in his uh, outside interference. But I I think match of the night for me has to go to that cruiserweight match. Um, I thought that they really delivered. And one thing I didn't mention was that the crowd were on fire for that Cruiserweight match. And uh, I don't think that it was a, a packed arena by any stretch of the imagination, but there was a lot of noise for that match. And uh, I think, you know, that that could hopefully prompt the WWE to you know give us more uh, Cruiserweight action, possibly on the main card going forward. Um, but uh, what's your kind of overall opinion on, on the show itself and uh, some of your key highlights?
1: I think uh, probably my overall opinion of it, if it is just like, I think folks get so... Negative sometimes on a particular show. Like, oh, this show is going to be terrible. This show is going to be awful. It's like, this show's not going to be terrible. Like, look up and down the card. Like, as I was filling out that predictions sheet, I was like, this could be a pretty darn good show. Like, this is, there's not anything on this show that looks terrible. So, I think that, you know, I think sometimes people get so amped up. Oh, I'm so excited for AEW. I'm so excited for. Uh, New Japan, yeah, I'm excited for the G1 to start. I'm excited for Fighter Fest and all that. But it's okay to also still be excited to watch Stomping Grounds, you know? So I I, I was glad the show went well. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you go into a show with lower expectations, it ends up just being a great surprise. And and that's what I thought Stomping Grounds was. I thought, uh, you know, three, you know, as you mentioned, the Cruiserweight match, Joe and Ricochet, and that, uh, that Daniel Bryan-Rowan against Heavy Machinery, I thought those those were probably the three top matches. Uh, loved those matches, and uh, it, it ended up being a really good show. It ended up being a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. And going back to one of your previous points, um, I think this, this show and some of the matches in particular um, definitely had you know, gave us some new stars, gave us some, some new names, uh, made some uh, uh, new superstars. I mean, Ricochet certainly uh, coming out as the new U.S. champion. Um, certainly they've created a new star there. And of course, they've been building him up um, since February this year, I believe. Heavy Machinery, I think they came out uh, with a few new fans after this evening. Um the, the Cruiserweight match and I think all three competitors in that match certainly uh, came away with a lot more credibility, a lot more fans um, and uh, yeah Drew Gulak, the new Cruiserweight champion, so I think it was, a, it was a night where you didn't have the AJ Styles, you didn't have the Charlotte Flares those sort of top names, um, but it did allow for some new names to kind of come in and uh, for them to kind of get a, get themselves over and I think that this night will be remembered for some of the newer names, the less familiar names getting themselves over um, this evening, but, uh, but yeah, over all I thought it was an excellent show, and going into it, I think the expectations were on the whole quite low. Um, but uh, when you break down the card, look at the matches, and then kind of watch them all play out, I think you have to stand back and, and you know, take your hat off to the WWE. They've delivered again, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, definitely. You know, uh, as you mentioned, Heavy Machinery. There, think about it. This is the that this show was really their first big match on a pay per view. They're supposed to be these lovable baby faces. They're expecting to get that great response, and they get booed, but they don't get rattled throughout any of that, and they keep keep par to course, so to speak, and eventually even win over some of those fans that were booing them. So, you know, as you mentioned them, I just that that thought kind of went in my mind, and yeah, I was uh, it was really cool. You know, as you mentioned, a lot of folks like uh, Charlotte NoFin Balor either. He wasn't anywhere to be found. Uh, but it gave others a chance to get that shine. And I don't think it's, I don't think everyone needs to be on the show. I think that uh, keeps people fresh by having them spread out a bit.
0: Definitely. Well, Tommy, that brings us uh, to the end of this episode of wrestling with John is in our review of stomping grounds. So uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. I really, really appreciate it um, for my listeners out there that want to get in touch with you. If you've got any kind of social media plugs, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, where can my listeners find you on social media, Tommy? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I Twitter is probably where I'm most active. You guys can find me over there at Watch Wrestle Pod. It's probably because I was thinking of starting a podcast originally. So also Watch Along Wrestling was too long for the Twitter handle, so it's Watch Wrestle Pod. Um, and then obviously uh, on Twitter is, I mean on YouTube is Watch Along Wrestling YouTube.com slash Watch Along Wrestling. Uh, also on Instagram, need to be a little more uh, active on there, but that would be uh, Instagram. You can find me there as well as at watch along wrestling.
0: So there we go. So uh, check out Tommy on his uh, very good uh, YouTube page. Um, I've I've seen all of your WrestleMania vlogs. uh, So please keep up the good work there. I can't wait to see more of your stuff and more of your, your watch along, uh, watch along uh, wrestling videos as well. Um, So yeah, thank you very much, Tommy, for coming on board. Uh, Hopefully we'll get you uh, back on the podcast sometime in the future.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I loved it. Thanks so much for having me on. And uh, Hopefully I can have you on sometime, too. It would be great to have you on. And uh, you're going to a couple of shows. And i uh, love to get your, your live thoughts of how those shows went afterwards. That would be great.
0: I'd love to do that. So uh, there we go. I hope you've, you've enjoyed this episode of Wrestling with Jonas If you did, please don't forget to hit like, subscribe, share and shout about this podcast. Tell your friends and tell your family and keep listening to the Wrestling Majolahs podcast for all of your weekly NXT, NXT UK, WWE and kind of all-round wrestling goodness. Uh, without you sharing and subscribing to this podcast, we can't continue to grow. So hit like and subscribe now. Uh, thanks again to Tommy and uh, thank you to everybody for listening and watching. And uh, in the meantime... Catch up with you all soon and take care.